Previously on the Lupe and Royce Show. And speaking of rap Olympics, Royce, your verse on that song. Ooh, God. For y'all don't know, Royce the 5'9 has a song with Ransom. Oh, thank you. And uh, he on there, he on there floating. He on there doing his best. Thank you, man. Lupe Fiasco impression, and I was thoroughly, thoroughly <laughs> enjoyed the attempt. <laughs> the Lupe and Royce Show is a Say What Media production. That was pretty good. What up, y'all? This is Lupe Fiasco, and I'm feeling double professional today. What up, though? This is Five Refrigerator Nine. I'm just chilling, being ice cold. This is Tom Frank, your regular guy, and we are sounding so crisp today. Just listen we? to that silence. All of we? us. Well, we in France right now. We, we. What we, you're we. hearing, what you're hearing is the new and improved. Royce the fridge nine. It's not. It's not the new. It's an improvement, but it's not new for y'all that don't know. Y'all may have witnessed a hum or some kind of random background noise uh, on the podcast the past thirty nine casts, and it was all coming from our good friend uh, Taliban five nine over there. Um, Listen. You got to be correct. He, if you're going to spread information, you got to be correct. It was not all 39 episodes. It was only like three of them. <laughs> all was, right. It was maybe 10 to 12. Right. It was now the I three got a and new, the third. Now, now I have a new cord. I have a new cord on my mic. I have my mic closer to me. And I cut the refrigerator off. And, that's and it. He, cut off, he cut off the refrigerator, which he had running full blast the entire <laughs> life of this podcast. If it's any consolation, there is no... Um, there is no switch on the side of the refrigerator that allows me to turn it down from full blast. You either get full blast or completely off. So now I'm going to have to remember to plug my refrigerator back in. Otherwise, I'm going to have stale bananas tomorrow. What are you keeping there? What's what's in this? It's free. Right now I got, um, I usually just keep my waters in there. But right now I got fruit in there too. I got my apples and my bananas in there. Did I put something else in Do- there? Yeah, I think that's it. Bananas don't need to be in the refrigerator. Yeah, but if I if I leave them out, people will eat them. Mm. Mm. You keep them in there so, so people won't eat them. Yeah, I keep them in there because I can I can keep an eye on them if I keep mm. them right there. Somebody open my door. I'm actually, actually you know back. what? I do think you know keeping things cool does preserve it a little bit longer. But there are some things that do not need to be in the refrigerator because the refrigerator, while it may preserve certain things, it also brings to bear certain other effects such as cold, which will have an effect on maybe say the uh, texture or sometimes maybe even the flavor of certain things. So when you go to the grocery store, if you see things that aren't in the refrigerator section, they they probably don't need to be in the refrigerator. Probably good. This is is true. This is true. This is true. Cause you're right. Cause I had a banana yesterday and I noticed that the texture was a little cold. Yeah, I don't like cold bananas. I like <laughs> I like room temperature bananas. It's also my favorite fruit. Bananas, what, bananas. Ban- I love I love bananas. I just like had them. a banana, matter of fact. You like you like the way they, they fit in your mouth. We're not doing this. We're not doing that. Yeah, because I hate bananas, it. and I I got two banana lovers with me right now. Now this is just this is interesting because I hate bananas. I you would never see said, me put a banana said in nothing. my mouth ever. I said nothing about loving them. But you do I mean, have but them. You, but you enjoy a good yes. banana. Okay, yes, but I, but I, when I eat my bananas, I use Lupe's 
sword and I chopped them up into little bitty pieces and then I eat them with a knife and fork. That's diced. You got your own own set of issues there. (laughs) Wait, you're telling me you don't like banana flavored stuff, like a banana milkshake? You know, I'll do banana cake. Bananas, I can't stand. I can't stand the flavor. I can't stand. I, I I used to like them when I was a kid, but then I had, you know, he had a taste bud switch that happens, right? And things that were once mm-hmm. delicious become disgusting. And uh, it just, it's a, eh. but I like plantains though, right? I like you know, plantains. How, how different is a plantain than a banana? It's closer to like a potato. It has, it, it's more starchy. You know, I only eat them with Jamaican food though. So there's that. They're fried, you know, probably not, probably not good for you, but they're, they're absolutely mm. delicious. But bananas. I don't like cook. I don't like cooked fruit. No cooked fruit. I don't think that should how about, ever happen. How about, how about apple? Like an apple pie? Yeah. Um, I could, oh, I could force pie. myself, but no, I don't like cooked fruit. I hate fruits in cake, like a strawberry cake. That's disgusting. How about strawberry shortcake? That's the same thing, man. No, 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 it's no. It's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. What do you mean it's not the same but, thing? Is well, it a cake? I, I, first, don't first, commit sin. First, is it a cake? Don't commit sin. No, I don't. I don't think it's a cake, even though cake is in the name. Strawberry shortcake is a. It's like a funnel cake, and then it's, it's strawberries mm. on top with whipped cream. It's actually a strawberry. Wait, now do you do you put you milk call that in compote? There you put milk in your strawberry? Hold on. Royce is finna say a word that he used in a rap before. Oh. Come on. Come on. No, Royce. I don't know if I use the right word. I was hoping we can just <laughs> skip over that. I was hoping we it. could just nah, skim right over nah, that. No, nah, come what on. What is it called? Mr. Mr. Masterclass. It's called strawberry. Um, you know how you can buy, like, the, it's like it's not like a spread that's in the can because it's still Royce, strawberry. You, you was finna say it. I heard the first I syllable. I said com- compote. Well, look at that. I never knew this man was right? so sophisticated. That's that is, is very is right? like of him, man, to be so sophisticated. Is to call right? it Detroit is extremely sophisticated. Where you think where you think that compote was invented? <laughs> <Ain't> Detroit, <laughs> it yeah. is, but it's compote. Wow, wow, I am impressed. Strawberry compote. That's what it is. Yeah, you. So you put it on top of the funnel cake, and then you put the whipped cream on top of that, hmm. and then you got. A, a delicious, delectable treat for you and the family. And now, everyone loves it. Now, wait a minute. I add one more ingredient to mine. I like to put a little bit of milk on it. I was hoping we could just forget that part. No, what, the milk what are, you, goes, what are you doing? The milk goes down into it and the, and the sponginess of the, uh, of the, of the cake, it sucks it up and makes it a little I'm not, moist. I'm not mad at that. I'm not mad at that. I was going to make fun of you and, and come with all type of jokes, but I'm going to leave that alone. I actually, I actually am not mad at that as an idea. I don't understand. I don't understand. The the strawberry compote is already gonna mess with the sponginess. Milk doesn't have any flavor, so if you pour it on there, it's just literally gonna make it. It's literally just gonna make it mushy for no reason. No, no, no. no. What are you talking about? Milk doesn't have a flavor. Milk has a flavor. Yeah, it do. No, it doesn't. No, yeah, it do. What are you talking about? Milk ain't. Wait a minute. What kind of milk we talking about? Just milk. Regular no, no, no. What kind milk? of milk? What kind what of milk? What kind of milk? Milk. Cow's you, milk. You mean milk from a udder of a cow? Here we yeah. go. Don't do this. Don't Here do this. Ah, uh, yeah. Now Don't you could this. use chocolate milk too. Don't do this. Don't do what, I man? Like, I feel like you leaning into like a vegan uh, uh, thing right now. I, I, don't do it, man. 
Just, it's milk. All right. And man. it ain't nothing wrong with it. All right, bro. So, yeah, Kyle's got to breastfeed too, man. Just get on under there. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now before we really get started here, <laughs> we got to say something. We're live on I'm Patreon. Already- yeah. We're live on Patreon. We're building a real community here. We got a special offer for folks, though. Anyone who signs up before next Friday, June 18th, 2021, will be invited to a live Zoom happy hour with me and these two guys. That will be on June 29th. On June 29th. I might be there. He might be there. He's allegedly going to be there. My fan service comes with conditions. And if they are Mm. not met, then I, I will not be present. But that's why we're a team. That's why we're a team. Because you may not get you may not get both. <laughs> you may not get a hundred percent. But you just may get a fifty cent piece. You get a third. My art of negotiation. I will have all three of us on there. And mm-hmm. uh you can ask questions. We can get weird. Maybe I'll even do a freestyle. Mm-hmm. See, he can get Maybe. weird. See, you can get weird and he can get weird. You'll freestyle. Weird. We can go get weird. I'm not getting weird. The point I'm is, you got a week. No, this is when you're not here. Oh yeah, we're gonna get. Ah, They're gonna get weird, and then Tom gonna kick a freestyle, gotcha. which is weird. So that's gonna he's gonna. That's get weird. the weird part. So anyway, join us. www.patreon.com/slash/lupeandroyce. And a special shout out. I'm gonna give a shout out to a few of our very first Patreons. Marvin Thomas, Marvin Thomas, AB, Riley Eubanks. And Jeremiah Stagger, they were they were some of our first people who signed up immediately after the last show. So thank you, thank shouts y'all. out, appreciate, appreciate your support. Yeah. Shouts out, yeah. thank y'all, man. Thank Four y'all. We really dollars. need we thank really you. need that. Just look at it like we sitting there on the corner with panhandling jars, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and we saying will pod will pod for change, you know. That's, it's basically it. Yeah. Yeah, but we're gonna flip change, not as in change out of your pocket but change in the world you know what i'm saying we're gonna make it real deep man we're gonna go real real deep not me i don't need your money but i want your money that's how i look at it yeah. like i I don't See? need it but i want it so if you're gonna See? give it i'm gonna take it yeah see how see what i'm saying see how multi-layered that was <laughs> it so was thought-provoking very thought-provoking ah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so again that's patreon.com slash Listen, man, stop stop beating them up with it, man. They know. Patreon.com slash Lupe and Royce. Be there. You know, 29th, going to do the Zoom. Come on, you got a week to sign up, and we come hang out with me, Royce, and Tom. Duh. Stop beating them up, beating beating them up with that with one ingredient. You always got to add to something that's already right. perfect. Don't beat them up with that anymore. Don't pour milk enough. on the shortcake. You know what I'm saying? It's enough. Mm-hmm. You're whitewashing it. You, white you, don't pour milk on, on, you don't pour milk on anything but cereal, bro. That's I it. like bananas on my cereal. Me too. I like banana and peanut butter sandwiches. Okay. Mm. Yo, I can roll with of, that on, on, on some rocky shit. Speaking of pouring milk all over yourself. Jesus. Which is clearly Jesus, what I, what's happening. Which clearly what oh, I'm I know saying. what's happening. He traveling soon. He in a good mood. He, tra- he no, traveling no, no, soon. No. He in a good mood. No, no, no. Uh, we did a video. Shout to, shout to my homie Todd Dollar Sign. I did a song called... Uh, uh, what's the name of the song? Next to it, right? Which actually sends sends the club up, surprisingly, for a Lupe Fiasco record. But in the video, there's a scene 
where there's this kid and we this like we set it up where you you look at something and it's just normal right like just a can of of whatever or, or like some uh a, a, i think we had like a lawnmower or something like that and it was like at an auction and so people would just see the lawnmower and they're like this looks this is stupid but then we would you know put a a, a model next to it like a really sexy model and then the crowd would like go crazy right that was kind of like the theme and it was this one scene where the dude took a gallon of milk right and just poured it all over itself in the video you know that's that's all i got that's what happened so check out that song and check out that video there was 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 nothing a hidden meaning behind this nah it's just that was it Hmm. it stops there everything ain't gotta be you know a a mind-jarring brilliant twist you know it could just be a just a thing. thing and it could be just it. a waste of our time, basically. You're right. I apologize. Well, what you got for us, Tom? I know it's some random. What? Shout to Liquid Death. They sent me this hat. Look at this hat. I didn't get a hat. All I got was a sweatshirt. Bro, this this me right here. And I got a sweatshirt mm-hmm. on, too, to match the hat. But oh, whatever. Man. I don't like your relationship with them. As he mm. drinks. <laughs> You're listening to the Lupe and Royce show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce the Five Nine, and Tom Frank. Hey, Royce, are you teaching a master class on how to make eggs yet? Why would I do that, Tom? Well, I believe on a previous episode, you told us that that's the skill you'd most like to teach. Well, since then, I realized Masterclass already has cooking classes from Gordon Ramsay, including one about elevated scrambled eggs. I'm not trying to top that. Uh, Tom, weren't you taking a class on the art of negotiation with Chris Voss? How's that working out? Uh, can you provide us with any real world examples of things you've recently negotiated? Hmm, real world. I do continue to get you guys on this podcast each and every week. But bottom line, listeners, check out Masterclass. You get 15% off an annual membership with unlimited access to every Masterclass. Go to masterclass.com slash Lupe and Royce. That's masterclass.com slash Lupe and Royce for 15% off Masterclass. You're listening to the Lupe and Royce show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce to five nine and Tom Frank. Let's talk about the Floyd Mayweather flight fight. Did anybody watch it? I did was that a loss? It, but I have some. Thoughts. I think it was a loss. I watched it. Why do you think you it did? was a loss? Oh yeah, you're right. It was a loss. Oh, it was totally a loss. My man, my, my man, Billy Blue. We gonna get into that. As a matter of fact, we gonna talk about. We're not gonna talk about the whole thing because people already got they they. We gonna we gonna. Use your time wisely, f- friends of the cast, Lupe and Royce show fans. But we just gonna dig into Mayweather just for a little bit. That fight. So my my homie Billy Blue posted up what I thought was the the optimal response to that fight. Right? Is that Floyd and Logan won? Right. Mm-hmm. The fans lost, and if you paid to watch the fight. You lost twice. That was his <laughs> philosophical framing to wrap it all up. And I 100% agree. And I feel Floyd, who is to me is the TBE, my humble opinion, um, that this took a little bit away from mm-hmm. his rep, his repertoire, his post, his post 
his retirement, you know, era, post post professional era repertoire. And we can get into what why I think that. But what do you think, Royce? What's your what's your top line thoughts? We'll be right back. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Um... I can see why people feel like that. The only people who are going to feel like that are casual boxing fans, which is totally okay to be a casual boxing fan. Me, myself, I'm a boxing guy, so I'm aware that Floyd is retired and it's just an exhibition. So I was just expecting an exhibition. You know what I mean? I just, I ordered it just to support Floyd. You know what I mean? Like I like to see guys after they retire because, you know, historically when you think of like our heroes you think of a lot of the greats like after they retire people don't like when they make money you know they rather they rather it be like a story of like people going broke because they made bad decisions during their career you know like evander holyfield mike tyson shit like that but if you got a brand that's viable enough to where you can go make a shitload of money just doing an exhibition i think it's okay to do that but i think it's really really hard to separate what you're looking at exhibition from regular boxing, especially when you got guys like Manny Pacquiao still taking on the toughest opposition. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I think people have a hard time separating those two things, but he's not, this is, this wasn't a legacy play. This is a money grab. And this was understood from the, from the gate. You get in there with a YouTuber. This guy's not even a pro fighter. He's been, he's been training for four years. He's just really, really popular. That's the reason why they were able to even stage the, a spectacle, you know? So if I was Floyd, I wouldn't do it again because it's no way to really translate that and for people to really get it still because he's, he's not far enough past his prime to where that yeah. registers. It looks like, it looks like he's in a real fight, but this is literally no different from like Rocky versus, uh, Thunderlips, Hulk <laughs> Hogan in <laughs> yep. Rocky three. It's literally the same thing. And Muhammad Ali did the same thing. He did like three uh, exhibitions. Uh, Oscar De La Hoya did one with Shaq before. You know what I mean? Like they do them. It's supposed to just be fun. Julio Cesar Chavez just did one. And he's in the 60s. You know what I mean? Like it's supposed to be like a fun thing. But when it comes to Floyd, they still want they still want to see him get in there and push himself, even though he's fought everybody that he can, that he can fight. But, he, but he's not that far out of his prime. I think that's the biggest difference. Maybe that's one of the that's one of the reasons. I think it's an overwhelming win for Logan Paul. This is a guy, a YouTuber, who st stuck around for eight rounds with the best boxer to ever get in a ring. He wasn't in there with the best boxer to ever, to ever get in a ring. He was in there with Floyd at every bit of forty four years old. Yeah, but 100, he's still one hundred one hundred and fifty five pounds and, and about five seven. You know what I mean? He's like 190 pounds. He still Floyd shouldn't. He went, shouldn't do. He shouldn't do stuff like that. He went eight rounds with this guy, a YouTuber. But, but here's the here's the kicker. And he made a lot of money. He made a lot of money. But here's here's the kicker. And I was thinking about this the other day. 
spectacle is cool, right? It's people, mm-hmm. you make things that people want to pay for. That's, that's all what it boils down to the business, right? Make things that people want to pay for, no matter what it is, right? And, but it can also be well curated, right? So you can have spectacle that's good, but you can also have spectacle that's bad. People going to pay for both because it's spectacle, right? And the thing mm-hmm. with boxing is that you don't know what you're going to get until it happened, right? Everything before that is just kind of like, you know, hype and how well it's packaged. But, you know, you don't know what you're going to get until it kind of happens. So what you're relying on is what you've seen before, right? Now, every time we've seen Floyd box outside of his professional career, right? Mm -hmm. He boxed actual fighters that were at the top of their sport right he won he won fighting shack you know what i'm saying like he wasn't fight it wasn't like a circus thing and floyd he had he had had well not to cut you off but i I need Mm. to jump in just for one second he did have a he had an exhibition with the big show uh the wwf guy wwf Mm -hmm. he did an exhibition with him too Mm -hmm. but wasn't that wasn't that like he was dancing with the stars but wasn't it like a wrestling thing? It was meant to be like a, you know, it's WW, it's WWF. It WWE, wasn't a boxing you know what I'm saying? It wasn't. In theory, it's the same thing. In theory, it's the same thing. I hear you. They're both, his, they're his, both intended to do the same thing. In here's time. my point, though, right? You weren't spending $50 to watch him fight the big show. You know, it wasn't a $100 million that was going to be generated, more than that, right, for this for that, right? The expectation was, and, I, and I'm saying this, you know, for the for the fights prior to Logan Paul, where he actually fought, you know, Conor McGregor, who's a demon in the in the ring. You know, he's he's in the, he's in the octagon, in the octagon, but it's still a ring. He's proven himself in his as in a fighting sport, right? When mm-hmm. he fought the dude in Japan, the dude in Japan was like the number one killer, right? Yeah, but that um, was an exhibition too. That was a it was that an was exhibition too, but it was on par. Is what I'm saying. It was on par with both of these dudes can really fight. They've proven themselves. I personally, I this is me personally, I don't, I didn't expect uh, uh, Mayweather to knock anybody out because he ain't knocked nobody out in a long ass time, right? Even in his fights when he was still pro, his last sling of fights, he didn't knock nobody out. You know what I'm saying? So that wasn't the expectation, but it, you would expect that the skill, if you're going to exhibit something, what are you exhibiting in your exhibition? It should be the highest skill, skill that you have. And I think Royce, I think uh, uh, Royce being one of the finest rappers of all time, but Mayweather being one of the most skilled, that's why he is TBE. He's technically one of the greatest fighters ever. And what he exhibited wasn't that, right? You just got to see Floyd make some money. And I feel like that kind of took away from, you know, even in the fight, even if you're going to do an exhibition, I mean, you're showing off your skill set. You're showing your ability to defend. You're showing off all of the things that you were taught and the things that made you great over time, whether they slowed down or a little bit degraded. But you still saw that when you watch that fight. It's it's kind of I would rather you know what I was most excited for. And I'll end on this when I seen his training videos, I would have rather seen I would have rather spent fifty dollars to watch <laughs> Floyd Mayweather do do hit pads in the ring because that's amazing the that fight was just like like what are we doing that was that's just my piece i felt like 
his the skill set is why we respect it. If it's just about making money, then it's you know I, I feel like it was a, a, a L on on that front on the skill set front. That was it. Well, yeah, I mean he probably just didn't impress you. You know what I mean? But I don't think I don't think he was like holding back. You know what I mean? Like it, it's just it was harder work for to me. It looked like it was harder work for him than he thought it was going to be. He got in there with a hundred ninety pound guy who was tall. He had to he had to swing up. He had to swing up to land. It was very hard to land. My man was really, really awkward because he didn't have a good balance. He was real, real wild. You know what I mean? Like he was doing a whole lot of grabbing. He just made the fight really ugly. And, you know, I, I thought me personally, I was impressed by the skill level that Floyd showed defensively. You know what I'm saying? Like my man couldn't hit him no matter what angle he was trying to swing from. He couldn't hit him. But Floyd was just having a hard time just landing on him. Cause he just looked like he was like seven feet tall for some reason. So once I started seeing Floyd was having problems, just being able to really get in on him really good and land on him. But I seen where he was trying. I started walking back and forth, cleaning up the kitchen, coming back, watching, cleaning up the kitchen, coming back, watching. Cause it, it just, it was just an ugly fight. You know what I mean? But I don't think he held back and was just like, I'm gonna get this money real quick. I think, I think if he could stop him, he would have stopped him. And I think if, if, if Logan would have fought, See, there's a way to fight where you could fight not to get knocked out. You know what I'm saying? But if you engage, if if you engage like fearlessly, if he would have like engaged and instead of doing all the holding and really tried to like, you know what I'm saying? Like throw hands with Floyd, Floyd would have would have stopped him. You know what I'm saying? Because he was wide open all night. But as soon as he got caught a couple of times, he just started using. He, he was real good at using his, his 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 arm length and his height and his strength. He was real good at that. And you can tell he was real strong. Like a like a heavyweight man, it's like a heavyweight. You the don't think fight, in any the of those... fight was the counter fight was real awkward too, man, because it's just like it's two different, it's two different kinds of yeah, it's two different kinds of like styles of fighting. You know what I'm saying? Like even Connor's power, Connor is a bone crusher in the octagon. Like he hit people and they just fucking melt. You know what I'm saying? But it's something about when they get in a boxing ring. I don't know if it's the way that they get taught how to punch. It's the technique. I don't know what it is, but it it doesn't translate the same in the boxing ring with a boxing glove on having to move your feet, move your head like a certain type of way. You know what I mean? So I've never really seen anybody come from the octagon into the into the boxing ring and their power just translates like that. Like, boom, you know what I'm saying? So I don't know. Do you think he tried to knock him out in the middle rounds? I think he was trying. It was he tough, did? man. It's a tough. It was just a, it was a tough. It was a tough. It was hard for him to be able to put on a good show. See, but, the, but that's the his, Connor the, fight, his, he the, was kind of carrying Connor. But, but here's the kicker. I don't think with he that. did that with Logan. I got to stop saying here's the kicker. But here's, here's my, here's why my, my kind of critique of that, right? Like, bruh, it, it's, it's seven foot people that, that you can spar against, right? It's, yeah. that ain't no excuse. Like, you can, you, there's a range of people that can come in and out of the ring, especially if you're doing a fight and you understand that that's your opponent. You you got to be training for your opponent. And we've watched, we've watched, literally watched through those like Showtime 24, like those, you know, those lead up kind of events. So we've known and we've seen uh, Mayweather focus in and other boxers focus in on a specific target that has a specific style and they have a specific training methodology and a whole thing that they apply to it. Right. They ain't just going to show up blindly and just jump in the ring. That's some type of program and plan. And maybe that was the program and plan that kind of came out, you know, for the sake of 
not losing, but even still the expectation of like, like Pete, I, I put it to you like this. What if it was a real fight, right? Would, would Mayweather have won on points? Yeah. Didn't, didn't he land like a significantly higher I mean, number? Logan, of Logan didn't land. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he, it, there never was a time where he wasn't blocking, slipping or rolling. Like he never landed anything. He just made it really, really, really ugly. You know what I'm saying? I think if it was a real fight, then yeah, Floyd would have came in at 147 pounds. He would have had a game plan. You know what I mean? Like he would have, it would have been a strategy. It would have been, you know, his, his dad in his corner. You know what I mean? Like it's an exhibition. He probably trained. He said he was training twice a week. He was 155 pounds. The last time he was 155 pounds was when he went up to fight uh, Canelo. You know? So, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't want to say he didn't take it serious, but I don't think he t- took it like a fight. You know what I mean? He took it more like an exhibition. Losing wasn't even a thought in his head because they weren't even going to call a winner or a loser. You know what I mean? Like it was just going to be like a sparring session. You know, they went in there and they gave each other, they gave each other some, some work and that was it. They do it. They do it do in you, the gym all the time. I think the, I, here's, here's my last point. I felt that the excitement around this fight was that it was supposed to be revenge. It was supposed to put Logan Paul in his place. And in this goes place, back to what yeah. you were saying, Tom. Do you feel that that happened? Cause I, I'm going to say I don't, but what Logan do you Paul think? in whose place? Because Logan Paul knocked place. out when he came in knocking people, knocked out uh uh what's the homie? Oh, name? Nate Robinson. Nate Robinson. Then turned around and kind of knocked out the UFC fighter dude, which was kind of like a whatever. But we wait was, a minute now. I, at least, that was his brother who did that though. Oh, revenge for what? For, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like but, revenge, but, but still revenge, revenge for boxing. For, for boxing, boxing in general. Though. Yeah, for, for boxing. boxing period. Like like he come in and put this dude in his place. Do you feel like do you feel like Mayweather put Logan Paul in his place? Yeah, but see, I don't think. See, I think there's some people who probably look at it like that. It's split up. There's some people who look at it like it's a black eye for boxing, like to allow spectacles in. But then you got people like me who look at it like, and it's probably just because I'm in music, but it brings viewership to a sport that's not really a commercial sport. Boxing has never been a commercial sport. It takes a real superstar to bring casual fans in. So there were real boxing matches on this card. Like Badu Jack is a real fighter. Jared Hurd. He's a real fighter. You know what I'm saying? So I think the future of boxing should be like Earl Spence and Terrence Crawford. It's difficult to make that fight right now because of money. But what if you added a spectacle to it? Two people who will bring in a whole bunch of viewership and bring in the revenue necessary to pay them and put them on the same card. Now the fans, the purists are getting the fights that they want to see. And the casual fans get to be entertained by whoever they just happen to follow on YouTube, it's no different from when right, I was right, complaining. But you you talked about that a, a few episodes ago, but I mean, in all honesty, do you think the majority of people who watched this fight was watching it under the under the pretense of, you know, I want to be introduced to boxing, right? I want to come in and be presented with like people people throw around. This is good for boxing. Right. Because it's bringing these eyes to the thing. Do you think the majority of people who came and watched this fight are going to carry on and watch anybody that was on that undercard that are going to carry on and watch any other fight? I feel like a lot of people or I feel like a lot of people watched it because it was spectacle. But there was a narrative that Floyd Mayweather is going to come in and show who's who what's what all the time. Right. 
and then go back to his cave. Like, I don't feel that that happened. Like, I don't feel that I feel like that's a a, a potential kind of like little win that's in there. But I think I don't I don't believe that it was good for boxing. That's just my I don't see that being the thing, especially after the fact, the performance that was put on and kind of the sentiment, even with boxing fans who look at it like, what the fuck did I just watch? You know, yeah, I mean, especially when you're looking at the, the comments afterwards, you know, what I mean, like you're looking at people commenting on it, like Canelo, real fighters commenting on it, cracking jokes. You know, what I mean, like it becomes like a meme. You know what I'm saying? I don't think it was a win for boxing. I just don't think it was it was bad for boxing. I don't think it was anything. But there certainly was a platform there for somebody to become a superstar. Like if somebody had like if Jared Hurd or somebody would have put on some dynamite performance that just got people's attention. Oh, they most certainly would go back and watch again. You know what I mean? Like people would want to be entertained. You know what I mean? But they don't have people don't have to tune into anything. You know what I mean? Like you very much so have to win them over. But. You, you know, Lou, like the power is the power is in getting people to come to the table and watch for whatever reason. And then you got to win them over. You know what I mean? Like, I, you know, I've been on Eminem stage plenty of times on stadium stages. You know what I mean? Some people will go buy my album. Some people will just check me out on his album. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just depends on how I do. You know what I'm saying? Like how, how much I rise to the occasion. You know, some people aren't meant to be straight up hip hop fans. Some people don't love the culture. Some people just love me through Eminem. Some people just only know Eminem and that's their view of what rap is. You know, everybody's not like a hip hop purist, a culture purist, but his, um, his presence in hip hop, definitely the upside to it is it brings in a lot of casual viewership. You know, the downside to it is it, um, inspires a whole lot of corny rappers, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother, conversation i think it's absolutely a win for boxing like if, if your goal is to get viewership you we we're talking about it right now like we wouldn't have talked about it if it was probably a normal fight if it was a normal saturday or sunday night whatever it was we wouldn't be talking about it right now we're talking about it. we just spent 30 minutes talking about this i think it's actually great for boxing mayweather versus mcgregor was fantastic right i i got that I don't ever get boxing matches. And now all of a sudden I have a, a little bit more curiosity about boxing. I think it's fantastic for the sport. I think they should did keep you, doing did it. You, and I think, did you watch a boxing match in between Can Canelo and this one that wasn't spectacle? Yes. There hasn't, there I, hasn't. I, I, here's what I did when I flipping through the channel, I, I stopped, right? The kids watched the Mayweather uh, McGregor fight and they, and they actually, like now have a little bit more of an interest because it was, it was so that one's a different one than this one though, because that was two fighters. Like that to me was a little bit more interesting than this one, which was kind of a little bit more of a exhibition. That was an exhibition too, but these two guys legitimately were great fighters. So that was a little different, I guess, but I still think it's great for the sport. Did you guys watch any of the, the undercard with uh, Chad Johnson? I did. How did Chad Johnson? He got knocked down, but he did good. Man. He did really good. For a first timer, he did really good. I was really impressed. But he's really athletic. He's really athletic. He moves his feet really well. At the very, very beginning, I don't know if he's left handed or right handed, but he was standing softball and he was he was jabbing with his right hand and he was popping that motherfucker. The jab <laughs> is really good. It just only lasted for like fifteen seconds. 
You know what I mean? And, he and just the rest got worn was just out him. quick. It was just him, you know, like in boxing, like you may have a few tools if you're not like experienced. And then, you know, once you show those couple tools, that's kind of like it. You just showed your hand. You know what I mean? So from there, you kind of just getting stalked. That's kind of like what happened with, uh, actually with Nate Robinson. He didn't have a tool, but yeah, Chad Johnson was just pop, pop. He was popping the jab. He was moving really good. And then my man just eventually just caught up to him, but he did, he did real good, man. He did good. And he got up. He got up after he got knocked down. I respect anybody who's willing to get in, in there, especially somebody with a, you know, with their own legacy and their own sport, kind of like, on the line a little bit, or at least it seems like it's on the line, but I don't think it'll affect Chad's legacy. Nate no. Robinson is a different story. No, it's not going to affect Chad Johnson. Ocho Cinco. Where does this go next? Do we continue to see bouts like this? What happens to the, these two guys? What are they going to do next? Who? Jake, Jake uh, Paul Jake and, 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 and Logan Tyron? Paul. Tyron? Tyron? Jake and Logan Paul. Mm, well, Jake, well, Jake is fighting Tyron Woodley next. And Tyron that? Woodley, Tyron Woodley is a um is a decorated MMA guy. Mm. A decorated MM, MMA guy. And they've been they've been like having words back and forth for a long time. And um I was surprised when when um when Jake agreed to take the fight. I was like, "Oh, okay, so he's trying to push himself." Because in the octagon, definitely Jake Paul would be f- But they're not doing it in the octagon. They're not yeah, it, they're it's doing, a, it's a boxing. They're match, doing right? it in the, in the boxing yeah. ring. They're doing it in a boxing ring, so I'm curious to see how that's going to go. Tyron is a beast. He's a beast in that octagon. Former champion. Top, top-tier top MMA guy. But he's more of a, if I had to, if I had to nitpick his style just on some fan shit, I would say he's a little, he, he's he's more of a grappler than he is a striker. You know, he's, he's, a, he's a, like, pick you up, throw you down, beat the shit out of you type. You know, he's not really like a dance around, you know what I mean? Like throw hands. It's more like a boom, 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 boom. Fuck you up real quick. Get you out of there. Which so he just, won't be, which he won't be able to do in this. Nah, nah. Yeah. I don't really understand taking exhibitions that take you out of your style. And for, you know, that, that's just, it's it like, it's cool to see. And if it's a meta narrative that's attached to it, it's cool, but. I don't understand why, why, what's the point or what you're trying to prove in a fight. Now, if you had two fights, that'd be different. Let's have a boxing match. Then mm. let's have a, a no holds bar situation and we could really see what, what's going to happen. Um, but just to kind of take away somebody's grappling who's known for grappling, right? Or take away some and, and vice versa. Like if it, to put a boxer in a situation where they've never had a leg game or a ground game, putting them up against somebody who has that, like, you know why they, you know, you know why they're doing it, bro. It's, it's exactly, it's exactly like looking, looking and listening to a, a super skilled MC who's adored for that. And then he just sees all of these people dumbing down their raps to be on the radio and making all his money. So they make their radio song. <laughs> you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it'd be like their version. You know what I mean? Like how many, how many horrible misses have we heard from like MCs? I know I got a couple of them. I got a song called Wet My Whistle. You know why I did Wet My Whistle? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to I was trying to get some radio spins, you know what I mean? Because I thought, you oh, know, that was the that oh, was the really? way to go. Commercial, oh, you know what I mean? Oh, oh, oh man. I had the R and B singing hook on it. I had the singing hook on it, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? See, but hit 
here's why here's why i push back a little bit and let, let's we could, we could deviate out of box and talk about something else right but but piggy piggy piggybacking on that i don't necessarily agree with that for me personally like i think that as a artist like you, there's rappers and then there's artists right and i think all rappers should be artists they don't necessarily whether they want to or not Right. That you should be able to do anything. Right. And that's what we kind of do at that's what we kind of do at Salsa. Shouts out all ITs is put you in a position to eliminate whatever that narrative is of rap is only this that compartment. Right. It's like, no, it's all that shit. So if, if Madonna call and needs you to do eight bars on, you know, uh, a popsicle stick song or whatever it's going to be, then you know how to go in there and execute at that level. Because that well, is me, that is that is rap too. That's part of your whole. Well, let me let me canon. Let, let me give you pushback first by saying you're not disagreeing with me because I agree with what you're saying right there. But I I'm, I'm pushing back on every rapper, every MC is not going to be capable of what you're capable of. Some niggas are just meant to spit, but most MCs, most MCs, especially the ones that can't do what you do, think they can. Because they think that what you, because you're making it look easy. So they think they can do it until they do their rendition of it. And it sounds horribly bad, but their reasoning for doing it is much different from yours. Their reasoning for doing it is like, shit, I want to, I, I might as well blow up too. I can do that shit. Who can't just throw some auto tune on and just, you know what I'm saying? And just do some shit because they're not actually artists. They're just MCs. They never, but it developed into that. But it takes practice. Right. It's if you just look at it as I think as just art and you can go in there and do anything. Right. People lose out. Or if you look at it as just rap, anybody can rap like, nah, man, take practice. Like you have to write nine or ten of those. You know, you got it. You the same way that you sit and try and write a bunch of bars, of punchlines and all these interconnected chains and this, that and the third. You need to do the same thing with trap records you know you need to do the same thing with high bpm records you need to do the same thing with low bpm records you got to use words that are difficult to pronounce you got to use words that are easy to pronounce and i think it's the same as like you know, bringing it back to boxing a little bit is you it's practice like you said it's experience you gotta you gotta have experience and no matter what the circumstance may be right and you gotta have a jab you gotta have an uppercut you gotta have you gotta have legs you gotta have a head you gotta have this and you can't just come in there and thinking it's gonna happen like you actually got to do it and do it. And I think that's what separates it is like, I'm not mad at that for whatever the reason is, right? Like I want to be rich. I want to be famous. I want to be whatever. I want to follow behind dude, but don't like Migos practices. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they're good at that because they practice doing it. They just ain't going to the studio and just start, you know, blobbering some shit out. Right. Like that particular style requires practice to master Right. Mm -hmm. And but that's what they do. The, right. But that's what I'm that's saying. What they so do. you could mm -hmm. if you was the backpack rapper at the open mic. Right. Mm -hmm. You can do the same thing. Right. And it wouldn't be no. You know, I wouldn't look at it as like, are oh, you trying too hard or nigga? That shit is whack. It's just that you got to be able to go in there and execute at the same skill level that they do in that particular space. Right. So and what would it take? What would it take in different spaces? So what what would it take for them? To rap on a backpack level. The same thing, right? Exactly. The, the, the same thing. You got to go and practice in that space and pra And it may, and it may be, it may take longer, 
right? Because the the standards or the requirements to be backpack are way different than what the standards and the requirements may be. But not to say that it's, I mean, we're talking about like different little techniques and different ways to ride the beat and understanding this and understanding that and understanding melody and, and your tone and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You just got to re. it's just a different set of things. Not that it's harder or easier, but it's like, if you've been practicing this one way your whole life and you try and pivot mm-hmm. into this other space and you ain't ever practiced and you just trying to, that's when it's hard to it. It's going to, yeah, it's going to sound, it's, it's going to be strange. You know? That's when it's hard, but you may need to, you may need to get, let's say of like killing, killing the cypher at the, at the BET awards became the biggest thing for you to do as an artist. Everybody would crowd that space because everybody wants to be the biggest thing. And some people, it may take for them to actually get in, into that moment to realize that it's not what the, it's not as easy as they thought it was to just make that shift. And that's exactly what I feel like is happening. It's all arts to me. You know what I mean? Like if you, if you, if you've been trained a certain way, if you've been trained MMA your whole life, quite naturally, you feel like, well, boxing couldn't be too much different. You know, like I'm already a fighter until, you know, you put into that, into that position, but you see everybody, you know, like cross, cross marketing all of these different genres of fighting and making all this money. You figure, fuck it. I want to throw my hat in the ring too. I'm an athlete. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like look mm-hmm. what Nate Robinson said. I'm an athlete. Mm-hmm. I never fought before, but shit, how hard could it be till he's unconscious? <laughs> but don't you think that's shout out to Nate Robinson though, man? Don't huh? you think that comes down to ego? Like the guy, the MMA fighter who just signed on for with Paul, he's saying, "There's no way this guy can beat me. I'm a professional MMA fighter. I don't care if you tie my legs behind me. I'm still gonna beat this guy. It's mm-hmm. ego." Yeah, but I mean, you gotta have you gotta have ego and fight to fight. Well, I agree. But that's what I'm saying. I you can't be these, humble in the ring. I, I think just, these guys come you. into the boxing ring because they just think there's no way this kid, there's no way this YouTuber can beat me. Mm-hmm. That's what they think. Anybody can right? anybody right? can whoop your ass. I learned that a long time ago. Anybody can mm-hmm. come up there and whoop your ass. The same Especially way that if you're not you're not prepared. When we go to Vegas, time and we get up with Showtime. The same way he gonna whoop your ass. Oh, hey, but but you just made a point there. Anybody can whip anybody's ass. Oh, you hear that Showtime? You hear that? He said anybody can do it. Showtime. I suggest you punch him I'm, three times and then three more times. Then I'm not even here. Space and punch him. I, I I didn't say anything. I just made. I'm, a I'm not. I'm not here. You're listening to the Lupe and Roy Show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce the Five Nine, and Tom Frank. It's official, fellas. The Lupe and Roy Show is now on Patreon. We have three different membership levels designed directly for fans of the show, providing a space for bonus content, priority shoutouts, and responses to your questions. Plus, we got perks like discounts, merch, and early access to news and announcements. If you are listening or watching right now, go check it out at www.patreon.com slash Lupe and Royce. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Lupe and Royce. You're listening to the Lupe and Royce show with Lupe Fiasco, Royce the Five Nine, and Tom Frank. So look, man, uh, let's talk about something. You want to talk about something serious? It's a little, it's a little, it's a little, it's a tiny bit controversial. We're coming toward the end of the hour, so we might as well just ooh, I like a little lay it down with with a little controversy let's, right now. So I was gonna go, go talk about cicadas, but if you want serious, let's talk serious. Let's yeah, go. a little serious, man, a little serious. Um, so. I gotta put this. So shout out to my shout out to my bro, uh, Lil Dirk. Condolences to him. Mm. Um, for y'all that know, Lil Dirk uh, lost his brother um, a few days ago in a, in a shooting. 
um, actually in the city where I went to high school, Harvey is right outside of, uh, Chicago. Um, and you know, it just got me to thinking, you know, Dirk has lost, you know, so much, you know, through his career, you know, being pulled from him and, and people getting caught up in certain situations. And I'm not going to speak deeply in it at all. And that's not, not, that's not the case, but that's the, this is the thing that kind of generated this, this, this idea that I had, man. And I was also watching something, um, about, uh, you know, the violence in Chicago and there's these, uh, something that's been going on for years it's called the interrupters. So I know one of the women who are, who are part of it very deeply. She's, uh, she's, she's one of the daughters of one of the biggest gang chiefs of all time, um, in Chicago. And that's normally what it is. They'll get these kind of ex gang folks with a lot of kind of credit to come in and, uh, try to solve some of these issues, you know, get in, get into the beefs, you know, figure out who's beefing with who and basically get in the middle to try and interrupt it. And that's what I call it interruption. And, uh, you know, the, the city just kind of recently, uh, I think a few years ago, put some money into it to make it a little bit more of a professional kind of thing, right. Versus it being just, you know, like they're, they, they invested in it. And it, uh, one of the issues was that it's the returns, you know, like the, the murders kind of went up, you know, kind of a situation. So the question from some of the politics was like, you know, is this thing really working? You know, the, these kind of initiatives and stuff like that. Um, and, and somebody said some, and they were like trying to use that as a, as a, one of the excuses, like, you know, it's not working. We should take their money away. Um, and then, you know, somebody else, well, well, you should hold the police to the same thing, right? Cause the police, the, it mur the murders went up when the police was on watch too. So that kind of proves the point, you know, that money, um, w may not be able to heal this kind of situation, no matter who's in charge of it. And, uh, but shout to the interrupters, shout to all the people doing the work in the hood. Um, to kind of keep things going down. So my, my piece was this. Jesus. I got a problem with Jesus. Now, I love Jesus. 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 I love Jesus. Okay. okay, love me some Jesus. I love the narrative of Jesus. I love the story of Jesus. And I was thinking about this. And, you know, I'm close to these things. So, you know, I got homies who got killed in the city. I got I got folks around me who face that violence. I got folks who, who are in the midst of that violence, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I, I, I be, I was thinking like, where's this coming from? You know, if money can't fix it, if interruptions can't fix it, if fame and fortune can't fix it, if, if all, if it's still happening, even to who are the highest of folks, you know, in our space with all of the resources in the world, it still kind of comes back down to a, a moment or an instance. And they, they, they get taken away from this, from this, from this world. Um, what's the real issue you know like what is what is happening and so me as being a storyteller I, I try to identify what is the narrative that is kind of pushing what and why we do certain things and the thing that I kind of settled on last night was Jesus like the one thing the one story that everybody is aware of is the story of Jesus right and I was thinking like well what did Jesus do right you had this dude who was super smart from the cradle speaking to people full, like a full grown man as a baby. Right. He was able to feed the masses, right. Heal the blind, mm -hmm. you know, do all of this amazing stuff. Right. And he threw his life away young. Right. Like he let some folks put him in a position 
to get killed. Right. Even in the face of all of this amazing stuff that he's capable of doing. Right. It was more important. on like, now I'm just down this look for this, this look petty thing right here. Right. He could have left. He could have ran away. He could have kind of moved to another city. Right. He could have moved to Atlanta. He could have moved to L.A. He could have he could have put himself in a in a specific space around a specific set of people to protect them. Remember, he told the one homie, you don't bring the swords. They could have brought the swords to kind of fight back on the charges like nah, and all that. And I was just thinking like that narrative of. You know, I'm going to just die. Right. The I'm going to just I'm going to become the martyr in the face of this situation. Right. Versus all of this stuff that you can do. Just imagine if Jesus lived to be 60 or 70 or 100 years old, how many people he could have, you know, healed mm-hmm. and how many how many fish and bread he could have, how many fish sandwiches he could have made. And, you know, all of that stuff. And I just I thought about it real seriously last night. I know I know we tend to joke a little bit, but I really thought about it seriously last night and in the face of, of uh, uh, D thing. Rest in peace. Um, and some other little events. And it was like, man, we need to change that narrative. You know what I'm saying? Like that meta narrative. Of course, do the do the do the tactical stuff, do to this stuff, but there's other narratives in our lives. And it's for white people, black people, everybody around the world. Like that narrative of like just throw your life away, you know, like that's not that's super whack. You know? And for me it just it just touched on me and I, that I just wanted to share that. I felt inspired by the Holy Spirit. <laughs> <laughs> to just share to share that as kind of like cannon fodder for conversation, that 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 Jesus narrative and, and what role does that play in the violence that we see in our communities? You know, you see people walking around with Jesus chains and crucifixes and all this stuff. That's where he died. You know, um, and was that for the greater good? Was the greater good more so you being alive than trying to follow the path of the of the martyr when you got so much potential on, on the books? Whether you agree it's real or not, that was just something I wanted to share. What y'all think? That's kind. Of, that's deep. That's deep, man. That was I mean, deep. I, I think we. I think we just us as as kids finding ourselves growing into men. We we just subscribe to things, man. We subscribe to things, and we don't. It takes us a long time to to access our true value. Like, I honestly believe the foundation of all of this is a really, really out of whack value system. You know, like the, 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 the price of life, like just the measuring stick f- for cool, like what's valuable to you, like growing up, you know what I mean? Like such and such that got such, he got seven bodies. Oh, he cool. I, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it wasn't until I got damn near in my late thirties until I realized it never was about that shit. What the fuck? I'm like, what the fuck? It never was about that shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, it is like those moments is what most youngins, they don't make it to, you know what I mean? They never get up. They never get to that point where they're able to put shit into perspective because they spend their whole life subscribing to like some social construct that's already there. You know, like, I don't care what it is. If it's Crips bloods, if it's, Anybody in any any sort of organization that you can name where you first felt accepted by men or a group of people. The first time you got hugged by a man or the first time you felt brotherhood was, you know, in some fucked up shit that was started by some kid that was 14, like 30 years ago. You know what I'm saying? Like and you still you still subscribe into that because 
that's all you know for the moment. You know what I mean? And it's like you can elevate past that. And in, and in Dirk's and in Dirk's situation, he elevated past it, but it's it it's still a part of him. You know what I mean? And it just goes to show like how hard it is to shake that shit off of you once you subscribe to it. It's very, very easy to get into, but it's really, really hard to get out of. Father in jail, doing life. You know what I mean? And now you're making records. The whole world loves you, but it's still those people who hate you. And they hate you even more now because you 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 you, you finally elevated to a level that they never wanted to see you elevate to because they never could see themselves in that predicament. You know, and in order to in in order to wear that that crown or that proverbial crown or, or in order to put all of that on your shoulders, it takes a certain level of tact. You know what I mean? Like there's a certain level of kindness that comes along with that shit. You know, like when I start showing love to motherfuckers, that's when I start getting love. I fought for a long time. I thought that was the way to do it. I couldn't understand for the life of me why the fuck Detroit wasn't supporting me like I thought that they should. Why were why were they hating on me? Why am I always getting pulled over by the police at four o'clock in the morning? I know I'm drunk, but why do they keep pulling me over until I stop drinking? <laughs> then I stop getting pulled over by the police. You see what I'm saying? Like when I stop giving everybody all my money, people stopped asking. You know what I mean? When I start helping more people, it became easier for me to ask for favors. You know what I'm saying? Like it's just a it's just it's just a part of life that you either figure that out or you just fall prey to just all of the toxic fucked up cycles, man. And hip hop does nothing but exacerbate all of that shit. It just makes it worse. You know, it was a point in time where we used to be worried about getting into it on tra on tracks and, ho and hopefully it don't spill over into the street. Now we worry about the street shit spilling over onto tracks because as soon as somebody hear a name on a record, that's it. Time is of the essence. It makes shit worse. So like the la if you're a gangbanger and you get on and you become that kind of popular, oh, it's almost a death sentence. It's a death sentence. You know what I'm saying? Like, how can you fucking survive that? You just made yourself more accessible. You just made people hate you even that much more. And you made people even that more conscious about their name. And like, oh, man, we can't look like this in front of people because that's what it's all about. Everybody want to make sure that they don't look like they soft in front of people. You know, like they don't want to they don't they don't want to No, that's my reputation. You know, respect. I'll kill my brother over the thought of disrespect. You know, but we can't come together and, and command respect as a people. We can't seem to figure that part out. That shit don't translate for some reason. You know what I mean? So it's just like it's tough to watch, man. It's tough to watch as an old ass man that been that been through a lot of the same, a lot of similar things, not as serious as what the young brother Dirk is going through, but enough to where I just understand it, man. It's hard. I, I understand it. And I just I sympathize I sympathize because it's tough. Like, how the fuck do you how do you get out of that? Because it can it can be it can it can be stopped. It can be stopped. But it takes a leap of faith that, man, you got to be a you got to be a you got to be a certain kind of mature man that I don't even know if that shit come in your 20s. You got to really be over some shit. That, that's kind of the point, though, of Jesus sacrificing his own life. 
right? The point was that you, you know you have to go through obstacles in life. You know that you're going to be tempted through life, but you got to stay true to who you are. Like, right? Like the whole basis of that story is they wanted him to try to, they wanted him to bring out the swords. They wanted him to, to, to do some miracle. Nah, like see, they tempted him to do it. See, and he stayed true the, to himself. Mm, and he, and he like didn't, didn't take the shortcut, the easier path. And I think that's kind of what Royce is saying. But I don't think that's, I don't think that's what happened with Jesus, right? It was a choice to be, no, I'm the king. You know, this is my name. This is my, the, the way the story, and I'm not talking about with the actual events, but just the mm-hmm. way the story is pushed by different denominations of, of kind of Christianity. This ain't yeah. no, this ain't no, you know, Christianity is bigger than Jesus, which is kind of crazy yeah, to say, yeah. but it is, right? But yeah. when you, when you think about, you know, the, the, the moral of it and you look at different pieces and parts, you know, what does it mean to like, nah, you need to go into the desert. This king, this king of the whatever, that don't matter. You know, and I think that relates back to the streets, right? It's like you want to be the king of the streets, you know, knowing what knowing what that come versus looking at like, bro, look at your hands. You can bring people back to life according to the stories, right? You yeah. can bring you can literally bring people back to life. Why are you tripping over whether they think you God or not? Right. Or they think you the king or not, or you the prophet or not. Like, why does that matter? Right. If you got all this potential to help people now. Right. Because we don't know about the hereafter. We talk about it. We don't nobody know. It's a to, to your point, uh, Royce, it's a leap of faith. But you know what's here right now. You know who's blind right now. You know who's the lepers right now. You know who your enemies are right now. You know the services you can provide to people right now. And all that kind of gets you hear. You see more about the cross and his death than his life. And if it's mentioned, it's mentioned kind of as an aside, but what's most important is nah, what's next, you know, the stuff you can't see, you know, that, that thing over there versus what's going on right here. You know what I'm saying? And I'll be thinking about that when it comes to like cars, you know, or like, uh, you know, this is the, this is what you can potentially get after fame. You know what I'm saying? Once you make it through, it's almost like the material possessions of this world, which niggas get killed over, be like heaven when you put it in a religious context. And it's like, don't worry about the now. Don't worry about the cost of what that car is going to bring or don't worry about the cost of what that chain or that that tour that you did or that bank account or you showing all your money on Instagram. Don't worry about that. Right. Worry about having the next the next Rolls Royce truck or the next this, no matter what that brings. And I just feel there's so many parallels. I could be wrong and I would love to have a, a theologist major on here to kind of, you know, talk through this with and, 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 and come up with different annals of the story. But from what I understand, you know, that's what you see, you know, that's what comes out. Like, don't worry about this life, worry about the next life. Right. But the next life, not even proven. You know, and you you step over so many important, tangible things that we have in this world, the appreciation for the life and the services we can provide to other people, you know, that sometimes, you know, it may be worth, you know, putting heaven to the side for the moment. You don't you, know, you don't put, realize put it's bigger than side. you. You think mm-hmm. it's all about you. You think it's all about you because people place you to such a high regard. You know, you being worshipped to a degree. You know what I mean? And like the la- the last the last lesson that you learn after all the lessons, if you survive to the last lesson, is the responsibility that comes along with being blessed to be in that position. Like you don't get to choose. You don't get to choose whether you are a role model or not. You know what I mean? Like you don't that's not your choice to make. So 
and then like we we young black and then thrown into fame with no information. So everything we learn is by trial and error. So everything that we are chasing that we think we want, we have a picture in our minds of what it's going to do for us and how we're going to feel and how things are going to be when we get those things. But we got to actually get them to realize that nothing we thought was correct. That's the Rolls Royce truck. That's the fame. That's the rich. All of these, all of these things that you think is going to fix everything until you get them. And then you realize, damn. So you actually got to go broke to, to, to learn financial literacy. You actually got to, buy a bunch of stupid shit to realize that it's just a bunch of stupid shit. You know what I'm saying? Like you got to actually have sex with a bunch of stupid women to realize that it's just sex with a bunch of stupid women. You know what I mean? And you, your wife actually got to like leave you for a second so you can be alone. So you can realize how important it is that you have your wife. You know what I mean? Like all of these things got to happen to you, to you in order for you to learn these things. And then, once you're comfortable enough in your own skin to be okay with the way that people are responding to you not subscribing to these things, then you can go to the next level of the responsibility that comes along with that platform and, and the fact that it ain't free. It's not free, bro. You owe. You know what I'm saying? Like you owe. It's a reason why you were chosen. You fuck that up, you lose it. You know what I mean? You you suffer great loss if you mishandle it. You suffer. You just suffer until you figure it out. You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of like how it goes. And I just hate the fact that we don't have mentorship like we need. You know what I mean? Like I made a whole bunch of dumbass decisions I know I didn't have to make. Mm-hmm. I was going to fuck up regardless, but I didn't have to fuck up that much. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Somebody could have pulled the, my coattail. The sage that is Lupe. And Royce and Tom. Wait a minute. I still want to go back to we this like Jesus the, thing. Hey, we like the three kings. Come on. What you got, Tom? I want to go back to this Jesus thing because you're leaving out some context of the story. Right? The other part of this story is that he firmly believed that his dad, in essence, God, would save him. Right? So the part of why he didn't do any of that is he believed that his dad, and he believed in the afterlife, Right, which is a a deep, 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 deep belief in faith. So therefore, none of this really mattered. I think that's yeah, a huge then, part that you're leaving out of that story. Uh, but but it's even that still it it it. I don't know if you meant to 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 mention it as a as a as a as a a plus or a minus. I look at that still as just being more of a minus, right? Because it's like again, you focused on. I don't think it's you a plus know, or minus. I just think that's it's just a, that a, an aspect of it. I got you. Yeah. I got you. But there's 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 something to like. What about here though? Like, how important is it here with the people who ain't got that firmness of a belief, mm. right? Like you you provide service, and and I'm only saying this. I'm only bringing up Jesus because, bruh, we we got folks who provide Bentley trucks and provide, you know, people's rents and provide this and provide that. And they're a source of, and we, we could do that all day, but I want to talk about the Supreme guy, like the guy who was, who could make food you know, multiply multiple times, mm-hmm. the guy who could, you know, do this and do that. And it's like, bro, you're so important to this world, right? A young dude, like, why would you, why would you do that? Right. And, for me, and this 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 is my end cap to why I think the Jesus narrative is pushed so hard, is that it's perfect for the ruling elite to create people 
who don't care about this life. So they can use them to go just do dumb shit on their behalf. As much <laughs> as as much majesty as a part of it, and, and I'm with that. The theological mas, uh, majesty of the Jesus story, um, I, you know, as a, as a Muslim, you know, Jesus considered to be one of the prophets in Islam. So there's a, a massive amount of respect there. And I never wanted to grade the prophets. Do I believe every single story about Jesus? No. Um, do I believe all of the the religious aspects to it? No. Even in my own religion. So I critique my religion even as deeply as I study others. I believe that the way that the narrative was pushed outside of Jesus's life, once he's dead and gone and, you know, or hiding in heaven or over here waiting on you, the people who use that narrative and the way that the narrative was constructed was something to put us into positions that we living in today, right? To marginalize, to oppress folks, to get their mind focused, not on reality, not on self-sufficiency, not on self-responsibility, and then willing to throw their life away. For something that's unproven. Right now, if Jesus had the full faith and the full knowledge. That's Jesus. That ain't that ain't Mike, you know, or Joe or Latete or whomever. Right. And they modeling their life on that. I, I, it's just it's a strange thing. I don't want to bash it, but I, it was on my heart and I want to speak. That was I'm going to keep I'm going to stop before. I'm going to say one more thing now. Before I get fucked Is up that, by some pastors. Let me let me, let well, me that, give another let me give another analogy real quick, Tom. Give another analogy, then I'll, I'll close this up. I got one more stuff thought. I, like Ice T, Ice Cube, Uncle Luke, Tupac, all of those guys, hmm. they they happen to come along in an era where um the 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 government and 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 America was really, really shaken up by this thing called hip hop that had a voice that that gave the people in the underserved communities a voice that they didn't necessarily want the rest of the world to hear. So they tried to censor us by any means. Like see Dolores Tucker was like stomping on Tupac CDs. And I think it was in the white house. Um, Ice T made a song called cop cop killer. It's a song about killing the cop because we were tired of cops killing our kids, which is some of the same issues we still face today. Uncle Luke went on Donahue this wasn't because they wanted to be on the radio. This was just because they were fighting for their first amendment, right? of freedom of speech. Had they not fought, we wouldn't be in a position now where we can say anything that we want to say without anybody trying to censor us. You know what I mean? So now the fact that we're not being censored at all and we got a free reign, not many of us have much to say, you know what I mean? So it's like, we're all just products it's just like it's just like Martin Luther King was a sacrifice. Malcolm X was a sacrifice. You know what I mean? All of these were sacrifices and they knew that what they were trying to achieve ultimately the end game for what they were trying to achieve could never happen soon enough in their lifetime. They knew they were doing it for generations to come. So mm-hmm. to add to Lupe's point, we need our young artists to start realizing that they're more valuable than the way the hip hop has always been looked down upon. You have a responsibility. You're anointed in a way. Like if you can just understand your value, then there's a way that you can help future generations to start changing the narrative up a little bit, because once it becomes not cool to kill each other, we got less killing. I'm sorry. I don't care. You know what I mean? Like if it's if 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 killing each other is not really that cool, if gangs is not really that cool, the young kid who just wants to fit in, who goes on the internet to fig to 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 find out what he's supposed to be liking, 
and if it's and if it's said on the internet like no none of us go to Vlad TV, guess what? Vlad TV ceased to exist. You know what I mean? Like people are just gonna follow and they're gonna find their confidence and they're gonna find people just the kids just want to fit in. They don't want to be left out. They don't want to be the outcast. It just so happens that there's a fucked up cycle going on in the ghettos, and then there's an even fucked up even more fucked up cycle going on in hip hop where we talk about the state of the ghetto and the conditions of the ghetto in a way that exacerbates it. And one thing just affects the other thing. You know what I mean? So we got to start understanding the power that we have with the mic. We got a soapbox. It can be used as that. You don't have to turn straight up. Just all your music is just all positive. You can still paint pictures like Scorsese. As long as you figure out a way to balance that out and you use that influence in a way that's helpful and not all harmful. You know, when I start talking about my sobriety and I start looking at the response that I was getting and people were telling me that it was helping them. Yo, man, I, I had this overwhelming feeling because I almost wasn't going to share about my sobriety. I was going to keep it a secret. I had this overwhelming feeling like, man, I'm finally doing some good. After all these years, I feel like I'm doing something good. Because up to that point, I felt like all of my all of my raps and everything that I was putting into the universe, at least when the mic got in my face or when it was time for me to speak to the masses, it was all bad. You know what I'm saying? So that's my piece. My last statement. And I don't necessarily think this is true. And don't all you religious people come attack me. What if the whole story, somebody literally just made it up? Come on, Tom. Let's stop it, man. That's, your, that's how you're going to end it? With throwing but away 2,000 years of people's deep but beliefs? think about it. 2,000 <laughs> years ago, what if some dude wrote this unbelievable story and the rumor started to spread and that's all it is? I'm not saying it's true. To, I want nothing to do with this part. I'm not saying I, it's I, true. I, I'm just saying not, what if. I'll, I'll save the podcast on this one. There is something to understanding that the Jesus story and this is whether you're a firm believer or a, you know, you don't believe at all, you're atheist, you're whatever, yeah. right? That the, there's, the, there's the reality that the Jesus story was actually really small, right? It just mm -hmm. takes on the presence of being massive and everywhere because when, the way we receive the Jesus story was in mass media, right? There's a million billion Bibles. There's a million billion stories. There's a, there's a whole industry of crucifixes and churches and networks and da, 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 da. When Jesus was around, it wasn't no churches, right? He had 12 homies mm -hmm. versus a billion people. So you can't really, you, if you, if you're trying to like think about the Jesus story, place it in its proper context of like, man, this was, this was like one guy with a few homies, Right. In a, in a very specific part of the world for a very specific part of time. There was still China and South America and all these other places who never even mm -hmm. seen or heard of Jesus. Right. Yeah. Um, so one, his story was really small and that's not a critique. Right. That's not like a, a plus or minus, like you said before, just adding a little context to, to the space. So what's most important is not the Jesus story. Right. Whether the details are true or not. That's not what's really important to us today. Right. It may be important for certain people's faith. Right. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, for us in this in this world, as it relates to this world, what's important about the Jesus story is and getting to your point, Tom, is the way that it was used after he died. Right. The what happened, the way it was framed, 
the what emphasis was put on what by whom and for what reason, you know, what what uh, what nation, the way America uses Christianity is different from the way Egypt uses Christianity. Right. The way mm-hmm. Japan uses Christianity is way different from how Germany uses Christianity. The way Italy uses Christianity is way different than how Mississippi uses Christianity. But we're all kind of interfacing with all these different usages and emphasis of the Jesus story and the Jesus narrative. And all of it ain't going to be good. Like the story itself isn't going to be 100 percent pure. Right? It deals with a person's death. Right. In a, in a, in a suffering mm-hmm. manner, et cetera. Right. So it's 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 how those details have been used, whether they true or not. And you could do the same thing with a cartoon that, you know, is 100 percent fake right but you can take the narrative in that cartoon and start to use it and push it and massage it and embellish it and emphasize it and promote it in a certain way where you're going to get real world results right people buying shit or killing each other or doing this or doing that based on a cartoon right so i think there's something to a reality set that like you know understand that the jesus story was what it was whether it happened whether it was made up or not it was definitely used by different folks through time who had agendas that had nothing to do with Jesus's agenda, right? It had mm-hmm. nothing to do with being holy and healing people and making fish sandwiches. It was all about oppressing people, removing people from their land, indoctrinating people. Uh, at the same time, too, helping people, you know, building hospitals yeah, and helping, creating yeah. creating food banks and and things like that. So that's why I say it's always both sides of the coin. So it's an, it's some amazing aspects to it, but there's other aspects of the story which I think we consume subconsciously that reinforce certain behaviors in the, in the, in the, in the space, in the temporal space that we live today, where I think that that narrative needs to be addressed and adjusted to a certain degree. And emphasis is put more on the Jesus who made fish sandwiches versus the Jesus who, who died on the cross. Died on the cross. Yeah. Well said. Well said. And on that note, this has been Lupe Fiasco and, uh, I'm going to go make me some chicken with some waffle fries. This is fridge to five, nine. And um, I'm not going to make anything because I haven't had a refrigerator this whole time. So what I'm going to have to do is I'm going to have to plug my refrigerator in and whatever's not spoiled. Maybe you ever, you ever had all your shit spoiled. So you had to hurry up. Well, almost spoiled. So you had to hurry up and just go cook all that shit. Oh no, no. I've had the refrigerator door open and had to throw away everything in the refrigerator. And a regular, not a college refrigerator, a, a big ass refrigerator, and that door was open, and all that food was gone. You ever came in? You ever came in from the bar at four in the morning, drunk as hell, and, and call yourself making a toasted turkey sandwich, <laughs> and just left the whole sandwich in the in the, in the broiler and, and fell asleep, and your wife woke up with with smoke all over the place, and had to cut the oven off, and you almost burned the house down. I was trying to figure out what she's so mad about. Go ahead, Tom. I can't say that's happened to me. And this is Tom, and I'm going to have some strawberry shortcake with the strawberries and a little bit of milk on there. Strawberry compote or strawberries? Strawberry, strawberry compote and with milk. cream and milk. Tom, Tom give him the number. That. Give him the number. The and number. Mention the Patreon 707-276-6261. I want to hear your thoughts on this very interesting subject. Boxing Jesus, pick one and just just be brutal. Your call has been forwarded to an automatic voice message system. 
Hi, this is Lee Lee. I just wanted to say hello to you guys and Lupe Fiasco. First and foremost, I want to thank you for keeping your fans company during this pandemic and providing, you know, good information. And also I want to thank you for introducing me to Royce the Five Nine. I don't really listen to a lot of rappers because they're not very good for my health as a black female, a lot of bad stuff they put in our heads so I appreciate you introducing me to other rappers that I can actually listen to and Tom keep up the good work you're doing a good job hey y'all it is Miss Delanosis from Gary Indiana right outside of Chicago uh, I watch y'all show every week on YouTube on Friday because it's like uh, my little ritual I have for when I'm sitting down at work I love the show I love y'all style you cool uh lupe royce y'all is crazy as hell oh my god it's so funny i can't wait to see uh the next show and uh it gets better every week that's our show for the week if you like what you heard be sure to subscribe or follow leave us a review and tell your friends to listen the lupe and royce show is a production of say what media it's recorded and mixed by claude jennings our head writer is lauren sloat i'm tom frank and our theme music is by who else? Lupe Fiasco and Royce the Five Nine.